1: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
2: Welcome. Welcome and welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, tech innovations and finance. What you say, listen up. A lot to learn today. I'm guessing you likely have at least one personal mobile device for real-time access to what? You want relevant data. You want breaking news. You want stock performance. You want hyper-local traffic and weather. Of course you do. But here's the big question. Can your company's finance function also leverage innovative technologies like these to become more effective and strategic to the business Good news. The answer is yes. You could look to things like in memory technology for up to the minute financial and operational data. You could look to the cloud for quick implementations and you could look to analytics and mobility innovations for combined company and market information. And there's a lot more. I have a great panel of three experts today who are going to do a deep dive into this topic, which is tech innovations in finance driving business results. Let's get the party started. I'm bringing on my first panelist. It's Bill Sinnott, S-I-N-N-E-T-T. I I have that right. He's the Senior Director of Research for Financial Executives Research Foundation. If you're looking for some letters, that's F-E-R-F. And Bill sent me the following quote, you can never have enough analytics from business intelligence. That's impressive and important. Bill Sinnott, how are you today? Welcome.
3: Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing great.
2: Thank you for joining me. So talk to me. You can never have enough analytics from business intelligence. Let's relate that to our topic on tech innovations driving results for finance. Go ahead, Bill.
3: Okay, Bonnie. So for five years now, we've been surveying members of Financial Executives International with what we call a technology issues for financial executive survey. And we do this in collaboration with Gartner, the global uh, IT consulting firm. And each year for the past five years, CFOs have been asked to identify where there's room for technology improvement and where they plan to direct new technology investments. Each year they say they need better business intelligence. So my conclusion is that CFOs always want more business intelligence. I'm not sure why they've been saying for five years that they need uh, better investments in uh, business intelligence technology, why they haven't done it yet, but mm. they still want to do it and that's where they're
2: going. Okay, so, are they embracing this technology? Are they fearful of it? Are they putting budget restraints on it? How, how gung-ho are they about actually doing it, Bill? <laughs>
3: well, you know. <laughs> I'm not really sure, and that's it. we probably should ask them that question the next time we do the survey, because like I said, why they've been saying for five years they need more business intelligence and why they don't have it yet, I'm not sure. Uh, they're very interested in it. Maybe they haven't found the right software. Maybe they haven't found the right mm-hmm. products. Maybe they don't even have the budget, but there's a need, and they want to fill it.
2: Okay. Well, that sounds like their heart is in the right place, even if their their approval is not. So we're going to explore more of that. Thank you, Bill, for kicking this off. Let's turn to our second panelist. It's John Steele. He's a principal in Deloitte Consulting's technology service area. He's also a leader in the SAP finance transformation practice, which is why he's here. John is a returning guest, and he has quoted Peter F. Drucker. And here's the quote, you can't manage what you don't measure. Welcome back, John Steele. How are you today?
4: Thanks, Bonnie. I'm fantastic. Glad to be here.
2: I I like fantastic people on the panel. That's a good sign. So, John, you picked a Peter Drucker quote. Talk to me. How does that apply to our topic today, tech innovations in finance driving business results? Go ahead.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm really happy to be following Bill because I think Bill set me up pretty well with some of the discussions he had around the research for the past several years it's important you know, today with all the data and information that you have out there, and I think we'll talk about it uh, today in particular with the emerging technology and the access to more information, is that you need to be very precise about what you actually measure and how you get to results. I might hypothesize that some of the struggles that Bill talked about are being caused by uh, companies' failures to really examine what are the key drivers of their business you know, in the face of all this data and information. I've been presenting uh, our CFO Signals webinars for the past uh, three or four years, and one things that uh, the CFOs are looking for are ability to drive uh, greater revenue from existing customers, for example. To be able to do that, you have to have the right kind of customer insights to look and understand what your customers are buying and how they might buy more from you at a uh, at a better profit margin. So That's just one example of managing something that you do measure. And one of the other things we've been seeing with the proliferation of data is that there's hidden information that takes the right kind of person to do the analytics. So uh, mm-hmm. it's not just an investment in software that you need to make to be able to do these kind of measurements. You need to recruit people into your organization to be able to interpret and drive finance to that function of copilot, which I believe we'll get to talk about later today.
2: We will. John, are you talking about a classification in HR we've talked about on many of our radio shows, which I believe is called Data Scientist? Is that who the company should be looking for to do something important with that data?
4: I think it's important that companies have at least a small cadre of data scientists, but then Mm -hmm. on top of that, I think you need analysts that are more close to the individual business lines. So understanding exactly what makes a particular segment of your business tick. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I just went to uh, Chick-fil-A for lunch here in Atlanta, and so you would need someone to understand what particular menu items are more profitable, the ones that are drawing more demand. And a data scientist can set up the infrastructure for you, but you need a business analyst and someone who effectively can be a co-pilot for the business to interpret that information.
2: Very interesting. I'm going to ask you one question before we bring on our third panelist. Mobility, I mentioned that in my opening, uh, breaking news, stock performance, hyperlocal, any kind of conditions. Is this important to finance executives today as well?
4: Absolutely. Mobility is critically important to finance executives Mm -hmm. in several ways. Uh, Finance is typically responsible for a large part of the order-to-cash process, and mobility can play a large role in making that process more effective, more efficient, and more information-rich. Another area where finance has a large concern is typically in the forecasting and planning process, and mobility is one of the absolute best tools to get your forecasting and planning into the hands of the people who actually know what to put into the plan.
2: Good to know. Thank you very much for expanding on that. And let's bring on our third and final panelist. Last but, of course, not least, Birgit Starmans, a colleague of mine at SAP. She's a senior director in marketing at SAP for Finance Solutions, and she quoted Albert Einstein. And I have a side note before we hear from Birgit. Albert Einstein, I will say... Hands down is the most quoted famous person living or no longer living on all of our SAP Game Changers radio shows. I don't know why, but he is making a comeback in popularity. Amazing. Here's a quote Birgit sent. <laughs> The true sign of, it's not, no, no pressure, dear. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. I think that's a first for that one. Birgit Starmans, how are you and welcome to the show? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. So talk to me. Why is Albert Einstein one of your favorites, inspiring or otherwise? And how does this relate to our topic today? Go ahead, Birgit. Well,
5: there's a little bit of background. Actually, I'm originally from Germany, and Albert Einstein is from my hometown. So maybe I have Mm. a certain affinity in quoting him. But I'm really fascinated by this quote, and this goes back to some of my experiences back in my consulting days. When you're working with finance and they're starting to redraw their processes, Very often, you start with the whiteboard and you get exactly what they're doing today. So there's nothing really different. So you really have to get out there and start thinking about what the possibilities are, not not because you're limited by today's systems, but by what you can do tomorrow. And we've gone through many of those whiteboarding exercises where, oh, we need this report. And then I would have these discussions, well, what decision are you making based on that report and those results? And a lot of time, the answer is, well, we've always had that report, but no, we're actually not really using it. So a lot of times it's that imagination of what, what is possible. Um, you mentioned mobility also. We probably never thought years ago, when I got my first mobile phone, it didn't even fit into my purse. It was a brick. And all of a sudden now we're using mobility in our personal lives as well as for finance. So it's something that we probably couldn't imagine earlier. I do think it's interesting with mobility that, that the trend used to be going to smaller devices and now we're finding their... They're getting larger again.
2: Very good points. I wonder how Einstein would feel about that. Birgit, I'm still amazed at this quote because I never think of imagination, which to me, pardon me, equals creativity related to finance. I don't know. Maybe I just have had the wrong impression. So is this something that's in the DNA of the new finance function professionals, Birgit? What are you observing?
5: Uh, I would say definitely, because we're also finding that a lot of the finance professionals that we work with now, they actually grew up with all this technology. So they're not as resistant as maybe uh, an older generation of finance, but a lot of these, these finance analysts as well as finance executives, they grew up with that technology. It was a very interesting experience the other day. I ran across someone who couldn't read cursive writing. They were so used to just printing and, and just typing. So I would say a lot of the finance teams and executives are so used to the technology and they've got more of a trust in it and being able to do things in real time, being able to find information immediately. Um, I had a conversation with an analyst and he called it the end of I'll get back to you because traditionally we would sit around a board table, somebody would ask finance a question, and then they would have to go work with IT and run a lot of reports. Now, especially with mobile devices like tablets, they can immediately get that information, so they don't have that delay, and they can make decisions much faster
2: great point the end of I'll get back to you and people who cannot read cursive writing I was uh, one I understood the other one I'm I'm completely shocked by I grew up where and maybe some of you on the panel did I'm not sure of your ages but where we labored over our cursive writing it would have the right slant and all the letters John do you remember those days and Bill do you remember those days in school where you had to practice your cursive with the teacher watching yes All too well. All too All too well. Okay, I am not alone. Now, I have a very great start to the conversation. I have a very tough question for my panel, nothing to do with finance at all. But what's in your cup today? And the reason I ask that of all my guests is because our show today, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, is part of our Umbrella flagship series, Coffee break with Game Changers, and I just want to know: Are you drinking something amazing, or or can you imagine talking about Einstein's quote from Birgit Starman's? Imagine what you would rather be drinking in your cup that you'd like to share with us. So let's go back to Bill Sinnott. Bill, what's in your cup, or what do you wish you were drinking during the show today? <laughs> Funny,
3: nothing, nothing exciting. I don't drink coffee during the day at work. I drink water to keep me going. But in the evening, when I get home. I like uh, an orange mango juice produced by uh, Santa Cruz Organics. It's very healthy and very good, and uh, I enjoy my evenings that way.
2: I love it. Now, tell me, orange mango—is that the color, or are there oranges blended with the mango? I'm curious.
3: That's, that's the uh, the color, and uh, that's what's the contents. And it's 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 really ex- it's an exciting flavor. Better than just mango. Better than just orange.
2: It sounds like it. I'd love for you to tweet that and tweet everything, please. Our (laughs) listeners, tweet at hashtag SAP Radio. We do tweet drink recipes and brands sometimes, Bill, so uh, I can't do it myself. I'll retweet it for you while I'm hosting, but we'd love to see it at hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you, Bill. That's a bright sign in the day. John Steele, can you top that? No pressure.
4: Sure. uh, I think so. I'm here uh, speaking with you from beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm indulging Mm. in two Atlanta traditions at the exact same time. I have a large Diet Coke from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so it, uh, you know, it's, it's a classic in my mind, and I enjoy it every time.
2: Okay. I'm very glad to hear that. Thank you very much. Oh, by the way, you're drinking it out of a can, out of a bottle, in a glass, over ice. Come on, a little more detail here, John. Out of
4: a beautiful Chick-fil-A Styrofoam cup.
2: I couldn't be happier for you. <laughs> Birgit, I won't ask you to top that. What are you drinking today, Birgit Starmans?
5: I'm not sure if I can actually top that. I'm normally a coffee drinker, especially since I'm based on the West Coast. So my phone calls usually start very early in the morning. But mm-hmm. I've recently started branching out and trying different tea flavors uh, from, Star- from Starbucks. So right now I'm actually having English breakfast tea, and I never thought I'd say that.
2: and why did you never think you would say that because Uh,
5: because i have been a coffee drinker pretty much all of my life but i'm finding that they have some very interesting flavors with hibiscus and uh, their passion tea or their zen tea it's also a very california thing that we drink a lot of green tea out here and they have some very interesting twists on some of the spices that they put in there and it's really delicious
2: Lovely. Glad to hear it. Thank you. And if you haven't guessed, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show day. So it's just water for me, but I do have it in a nice big glass. It's cold, and I have a straw. makes it a lot easier to talk and drink at the same time. Guess what? We're ready for our first break. What a great panel we have today. I have Bill Sinnott, Senior Director of Research for Financial Executives Research Foundation, FERF. We're also joined by John Steele, a principal in Deloitte Consulting's technology service area. And... And rounding out the panel is Birgit Starman, Senior Director in Marketing for Finance Solutions at SAP, and Albert Einstein in absentia has joined us as well, and a shout out to whatever you're all drinking today. Our topic today is Tech Innovations in Finance, Driving Business Results. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Today is Monday, March 31st, 2014. OMG, is this really the end of Q1? I can't believe it. Our show is Financial Excellence with Game Changers. When we come back, you know what's coming, a a roundtable marathon. 30 minutes nonstop with Bill, John, and Birgit sharing their ideas on our topic, and you don't want to miss their great insights. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Randy, out.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Unleash the leadership potential of your finance talent now. Your business needs more than just compliant reports. Today's leading finance departments are asked to support business decision-making to help companies to succeed. With SAP's risk and finance solutions, you can provide the advisory that decision-makers are looking for. No matter what data source, no matter where you are, you can find the information you need to add value. Give your finance talent the right tools to be up to the challenge. www.sap.com you SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions, Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers.
2: Here we are, and I'm speaking. Today with Bill Sennett at FERF. Come on, you've all memorized that by now, but here's a little hint. Financial Executives Research Foundation, John Steele at Deloitte, and Birgit Starmans at SAP. Our topic is tech innovations in finance driving business results, and we're ready to launch our marathon roundtable for the next half hour. I know my panelists are ready. We're going to kick off this segment with Bill Sennett, and Bill, you sent me before the show the following note. I think it's a good way to ground the whole topic in what we're talking about, Collaboration among finance, IT, and business units is required. We're talking about tech innovations driving business results. So let's talk about who has to collaborate and what is the shared mindset in terms of innovations. Go ahead, Bill.
3: Well, Bonnie, I support FEI's Committee on Finance and IT, or the CFIT Committee. We had a meeting in Dallas last week, and we were discussing what is the role of finance and analytics, because members of Financial Executives International, obviously, are senior financial executives, and when you talk about analytics, they want to know what is their role. We kind of came to the conclusion that finance needs to be involved, but finance cannot do it alone. IT, or as John was talking about, uh, the. Data data scientists, IT mm-hmm. needs to acquire the software and help develop the analytical models. But the business units need to describe and explain the business inputs and processes that they need to optimize. And this is exactly along the lines of what John was talking about as an example at Chick Fil A and uh, product planning and sales and so on. That it's really a collaborative effort, and this is a little difficult difficult for some of our members so because maybe traditionally finance thinks that they need to be by themselves. Uh, Running the numbers and so on, but they need to collaborate with both IT and business units when you're talking about analytics. Because keep in mind, data is historical, but decisions are about the future, and we need to find technology that we can, we need to leverage technology to kind of bridge the gap between the history and the future decisions.
2: So we can bring in a a line from an old song, if you will, Bill. It's, no man is an island, no finance department can be an island anymore. Would you say that's correct?
3: That's exactly right, yeah.
2: Okay, so we're getting rid of the islands and we're starting to collaborate. John Steele, thoughts on what Bill just said, and then we'll bring in Birgit as well. Go ahead, John.
4: Yeah, you know, part of what we're seeing or what I've been personally seeing with finance organizations over the last couple of years with the introduction of the new technology is a move back towards that concept of being a co-pilot for the business. And typically, you know, historically finance folks have a good handle on numbers and are usually analytical. That's why they went into finance in the first place. But there's a special breed of finance person that can grab onto the numbers but also look to the business insight and start understanding some of the trends that are coming out in a particular area. Like we said, maybe it's on the sales side or maybe it's on the supply chain side. But, but, being able to dig in and look at those results and bring out unlock some of the business value that specific actions you could take in a certain marketplace or negotiations you could undertake with a certain supplier to reduce uh, working capital costs, we're seeing that trend uh, start to emerge with our clients of of that that finance copilot uh, there There have been discussions probably ever since I got into finance twenty years ago, there were conversations about. Finance as a business partner, finance as a co-pilot, and that conversation is front and center again, uh, you know, for the last six or eight months.
2: Interesting. John, is it generational? Is this something you're seeing in an influx of new talent into the finance function, those co-pilots, that, that mindset, or is this something that the, the uh, shall we say, the legacy employees, the legacy teams, are the, the, the uh, green shade is lifting up, the green eye shade, and the light is dawning and they're saying, wow, we can make a difference? What are you seeing?
4: Well, I might be a little bit biased when I give the response to this, but I don't think there's necessarily uh, necessarily an age limitation on innovation. So what mm-hmm. we've been seeing is uh, a good cross section. You know, some of the some of the people coming in, uh, as Burgess said, you know, fresh from school, understanding how to use mobility and social media and concepts like that. But What we've seen a lot of examples of are are those folks actually bonding and fusing with people that have been around in the business world for some time. So I think the the ideas are consistent. The whole concept of business partner hasn't changed. But the capabilities and abilities that technology brings you today are different. And I really think it's the fusing of those two things that's really bringing us the changes that we're seeing.
2: Great point, and that means it's, it sounds like it's pervasive across the function and not just one segment. Birgit, thoughts on what you've heard John and Bill say, please.
5: Uh, I definitely have to agree with both of them. Uh, we actually f- funded a survey that we sponsored with CFO.com, and it's very interesting that Over 76% of financial executives would like to spend more time on analytics and being a strategic partner to the business, or shall I say, more strategic partner to the business, but not even 50% are actually accomplishing that. So they they still have a vision that they want to be more, more proactive and work more with the business. I also find it's interesting when dealing with IT, they're the general IT folks, and they Deal with databases and backups and things like that, but when it comes to financial systems, um, they have more specialized knowledge about finance so it 's not just backing things up and moving data around, but those people have had finance roles in the past, so they understand what are the critical success factors, what they need to pay attention to. And then finally, I'm seeing more of a trend to finance actually owning some of these applications so that they don't always have to go to IT just to get a new report. So we're finding that with some of the innovations that are available today, they can create their own reports, do more ad hoc analysis, and really drill down to where is my issue, whether it's profitability, whether it's operating margin, um, working capital, all of those different examples. But a lot of the finance folks are now starting to own some of these systems, and they don't always need to go to IT for some of that reporting and and constructing these things because we are able to access things in a more ad hoc way these days.
2: Birgit, is that appreciated or is that seen as a, a phrase I've heard in the past, shadow IT where people are running their own? Is that something that's accepted by IT, or is this they're having to get used to who is now emerging at the table as a player? What do you see?
5: Yeah, I I think there's still a transition going on, but Mm -hmm. a lot of these uh, finance folks, usually during the software implementation, they'll be pulled into IT because they have that financial expertise, and then many of them just end up staying there. Um, But then I see that there's a definite division of who's doing what. So you've got the pure, I know my hardware and I know how to do backups and that type of task versus I know what's important to someone in finance when it comes to planning, what the different dimensions are that that finance might want to Look at so it's really almost like that bridging organization, a specialized IT function that I've been seeing.
2: Very interesting. Before I change gears a little bit, uh, John or Bill, any comments on what Birgit just added? Some interesting perspectives.
4: Uh, one yes. of the things that I might jump in and add is mm-hmm. with, and I'll I'll use a specific technology as an example. So SAP HANA is a great example of what uh, Birgit was talking about, where you can take. Uh, information and it's really the democratization of information. Uh, in in former in the former way that you would deploy an analytics application or a business warehouse, IT would have to do uh, a fair amount of configuration to create the the data structures, the extract routines, and the entire infrastructure that you would need to do reporting. Hana is a completely different form of database and basically flattens out the information, so you no longer need. To create all those different tables that you did before and the complicated extract routines. And what we found with the, the tools that you attach on to HANA for analytics is that the, the business, finance, uh, in that copilot role, they can do additional deep dives into wherever the data takes them rather than having to put in uh, a change request to add a field or delete a field or change a query or add something else. So it, it's almost it's an interesting situation to me because in many ways, I believe that the, the infrastructure itself is being more tightly governed by IT, but the result is actually more flexible for the business. In many ways, when I talk to my CIO and CFO clients, it's almost the best of both worlds.
2: Hmm, Interesting. I heard another voice in the background. Who else wanted to add?
3: Yeah, Bonnie, this is Bill. I was going to add that this kind of ties into Birgit's quote uh, from Einstein, the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. If you look at the different types of analytics, um, if you look at the past, that's kind of knowledge. But if you're trying to predict the future or optimize the future uh, with either predictive or prescriptive analytics, you have to use your imagination to think of different what-if scenarios as you optimize your business uh, processes and inputs and so on, that uh, you're you're building a model that, that is developing different scenarios, and you almost have to use your imagination of different combinations of inputs and processes to really optimize what your business is trying to accomplish.
2: Thank you, Bill. I'm going to take this away from the people side. We've been investing our some of our conversation here in who is doing what and the attitude, the imagination, the perspective. I want to focus now on the technology. And I'm going. To, I'm looking at some notes John Steele from Deloitte sent me before the show. I'm going to put a couple of your notes together, John. I'd like you to comment. You say it's never been a more exciting time for finance technology, and you add we're past the hype cycle and into a place where companies are beginning to see the benefits. And here's the the caveat if your organization is not leveraging these technologies dot 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 you are behind john steele let's get this expanded a little bit talk to me
4: okay yeah and and I, honestly i've never been more excited to be a, pra- a practitioner in the whole finance and technology arena and we we started off the the call and i think bill mentioned that there was a huge emphasis on analytics for the last five or six years. But during that time, there, there wasn't much of an emphasis on the transactional engines that, that were generating the information that could actually be used uh, in the analytics process. Over the last two years, at the, and SAP in particular, has moved their transaction processing, the ERP engine itself, over into in-memory. This is one of the most fundamental shifts that I have ever seen, Mm -hmm. and what it tends to do is it pulls together your analytical and transactional information into one common platform, and what that will do is just a, a number of different things. It provides instant visibility into your organization. It will have organizations start to focus once again on data quality. It'll have the organizations focusing on the business process and what are the outcomes of the business process. And then lastly, I think it's going to have a radical impact on the whole premise of planning and integrated planning. Uh, if you think about the, the promise of ERP when ERP came out 20 years ago, it provides all of your information about all of your business processes really in one database. So nothing, no, no business event can happen without a, a reaction in the financials. And today, But the issue was over the years, You know, as the systems became bigger and bigger and bigger, they relied on back-end BW systems to be able to uh, aggregate and, and disseminate that information. That's no longer required with, within memory. And in-memory also gives you some opportunities to provide speed to value. I've done several projects using in-memory technology where you're literally up and running in a few days it gives you the ability to to take some chances and uh, and do some things that you weren't able to, to do otherwise
2: and to imagine what you can do that you couldn't otherwise. Good points, John. Birgis Starmans, you want to chime in on In Memory? Without We're not making this into an advertorial, but the concept is there, and it certainly sounds like businesses need to be aware and need to leverage. you want to add on to what John Steele said?
5: Yeah, definitely. I think one of the key aspects of saying that this is all on one platform is that we're getting rid of a lot of the data redundancy. Because if you think about ERP processes, planning processes, analytics processes, In the past, that each one of those applications had their own database. And then there was always a lag time in terms of being able to get the information. So say you updated your your business warehouse once a day, then all of a sudden things will change overnight, but you don't really have that real-time impact. So if a transaction was posted, a a large return or a large revenue order, uh, you can't see that right away because you're usually spending a lot of time moving data from one place to the other. So the whole idea behind the one platform is you're getting rid of those data redundant, and then that also makes your processes more efficient. If you're not proliferating data, then you spend less time doing the reconciliation to make sure the data moved appropriately from one database to the other. So that way it eliminates many of the reconciliation
2: processes because everything is using the exact same data and not a copy of it. Very interesting. Uh, Bill Sennett, you want to comment on this? Uh, I'm going to pass at
3: this point. I think uh, John and Bergen have kind of covered that topic pretty well.
2: Okay, that's fair enough. I want to move in a slightly different direction. We've talked about in memory. I want to talk about cloud, and I'm going to pull up some notes from Birgit Starman's before the show. She said, finance is typically more conservative about cloud scenarios versus their counterparts on the operational side of the business. And you add, but finance sees applicability for specific use cases, such as subsidiaries, after a merger to onboard an acquired company, point scenarios like travel. So let's expand on this and, and dip our toe or, or put cast our sights on the cloud. Birgit, go ahead
5: definitely. And we definitely see that finance has an interest in cloud. Uh, They're just not quite there yet where they want to go ahead and implement it because realistically especially the larger organizations aren't going to rip out everything that they have and put it into the cloud immediately. So they're really working more with those hybrid scenarios where you might have your general processes running in an ERP system but maybe there is a merger and acquisition and you want to get them up and running on the same system quickly. So that's a scenario for a hybrid scenario where that acquired company will be up in the cloud, and then that will integrate back into your ERP. Um, there are also some point solutions, and actually we at SAP have gone cloud when it comes to our travel and expenses. So we're mm-hmm. leveraging mobile devices, taking pictures, uh, putting in notes right away so that – In in theory, it'll be faster, and we're not scanning in all of those pieces of paper after a trip. Um, I know that's not applicable in every country. I know in Germany, you still have to provide the actual physical receipts, but in many countries, just leveraging just that point solution for cloud is getting finance more comfortable with going that way. And there's definitely interest. There are many finance executives that see that they will be using cloud much more in the next, say, five years. Um, They're just not quite there yet. Whereas though, on the other hand, we've got some sales leads information that those folks are more likely to keep their contact list or keep sales leads in the cloud. Um, and actually even human resources is a place where they're a little bit more aggressive about putting those, those scenarios into the cloud as well.
2: Birgit, I don't know if you remember, but you and I met at SAP a couple of years ago and we collaborated on a video about the uh, advances in travel expenses. Do you remember? I remember that very well. Yep. Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember the scene of the woman sitting at the bar and the bartender said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm, I'm submitting my travel expenses right here while I'm having a, a drink. And I remember how, and people rushing through airports. That was, was very exciting. And, and the advent certainly was appreciated by those of you who travel so much. Bill Senate, uh, financial executive. Research Foundation. What have you found on the finance function's regard for cloud? Do you, you, know, you agree Bonnie, with Birgit? It
3: sounds, it sounds a little strange, but I've talked to a lot of senior financial executives, both from very large and from smaller companies, and the big concern is security. And I know this may sound strange to some in the audience, but there's still a, a, a reluctance to put uh, the the corporate jewels in the cloud, especially a public cloud. Now, some of our larger companies are thinking about a private cloud, uh, mm-hmm. with, to, to use within the company, but there is, there are security c- uh, concerns, whether it has to do with the leakage of your information to another part of the cloud that another mm-hmm. company can access, or having to do with, uh, data integrity or loss of data. So there is concern about security issues, although I, I would agree completely with, uh, Birget that, That uh, there is interest in individual cloud applications for specific applications. And uh, the interesting question comes up when, because our finance people know that the business units are going out and, and getting their own cloud apps for specific. Uh, uses or applications. And then the question becomes, who's responsible for those cloud apps to, uh, to, uh, integrate those with the corporate ERP system? And so, uh, the business unit goes back and forth between the IT and the finance department. Who's going to take responsibility for implementation and maintenance and integrity and so on and so on for these individual cloud apps? And, uh, so as, as berget says, A lot of companies are going through a hybrid experience where they continue to have most of the company data on an ERP, but they realize that uh, various business units and even the finance department are adding uh, cloud applications, and then it's up to someone, and I don't know if that's been really resolved, who's going to take responsibility for the maintenance and uh, integrity of these cloud applications as they interface with the ERP system.
2: Thank you, Bill. John Steele at Deloitte, what's your POV on this? What do you observe with your clients at Deloitte Consulting?
4: Well, uh I I would say that it's probably accurate to to say that the finance community is going cautiously into the cloud and using things like travel management as an entree, uh possibly some analytics applications in in a cloud-based scenario. But what what I've been seeing is that cloud is is a reality and over the next several years I the the usage of the cloud is going to increase tremendously. So it's something that that I encourage our clients to get more familiar with and how things run differently in the cloud, whether it's a single-tenant application, multi-tenant application, and then exactly how it can drive business value. Uh, You could probably tell from some of my earlier comments that I'm a big believer in, in ERP because I've seen the value of what integrated data and information can provide. But I've also seen over the last uh, 12 to 18 months the value of taking some parts of the business and, and moving it into the cloud. So definitely something to watch, especially as the offerings become more mature on, on how, that, you know, how information is uh, handled, how we match and, and meet those data security requirements that Bill was talking about. But I, I do believe that it's here to stay.
2: Good. I want to take this into uh, back to the people side a little bit. Uh, Birgit, I'm looking at some more of your talking points you sent me before the show, and, and this sounds like a very pervasive but important point. You say, finance is open to using innovative tools to make them more effective. That's our topic today. You say, however they feel they need to better understand topics like, here's a list, big data analytics, mobility and memory and cloud, in order to make a decision on using these for targeted use cases. So my question is, at what level of the organization does somebody have to understand, we really aren't sure about this, or we really don't have the education. Who is tasked in finance today, Birgit, in in the companies you work with, who is tasked with that understanding, a.k.a. educational process? Where does that push come from?
5: Yeah, and I would say the understanding doesn't have to be a very deep technical understanding, but it really goes back to that whole quote on imagination, coming up with use cases for finance of where they can leverage some certain technologies. Um, this came directly from the CFO.com survey that we sponsored, and it was interesting that executives felt that they were most most comfortable with mobility. And Bonnie, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, just about everybody has a smartphone or some kind of a smart device mm-hmm. or tablet. I have multiples. And They're most comfortable with that, and then they can think about different use cases of how they might be able to use that data, being able to use a tablet, for example, to get some analytics, and being able to act and collaborate on those analytics. When they hear big data, that's sometimes a very technical term, so Mm -hmm. it's really going back to translating for finance of what are the opportunities and what are the use cases where they can leverage that, going back to what was not possible before is possible today, being able to calculate KPIs at a moment's notice without data redundancy, without having to replicate things all over the place. And I think once they get more familiar with what they can do better than they were able to do in the past, I think at that point they're going to start embracing these things much more.
2: Birgit, is this embracing coming from the seat in the C-suite of the CFO? Is it coming from deeper into the organization? We talked about generational people coming in, the ones who cut their teeth on mobility. We've already talked about that. Where is this drive coming from, the ones who not only want to understand but say, yeah, this needs to be an organizational-wide push to gain this understanding and the comfort level and the excitement and feel good about the imagination we talked about from Einstein? Birgit, where is this coming from, or what does it need? To come from.
5: I think it does need to come from the top, and I had a very interesting meeting a few weeks back in Waldorf with uh, Rowan Bergman, who's our uh, CFO in Germany, and it, he drew us a little pyramid, and it was very interesting to hear his perspective that you know, finance is always going to need to worry about compliance and risk. They're always going to need to he- keep the lights on with the transactional piece, but then he really sees an opportunity in becoming a business partner by leveraging this technology so that he can make recommendations. Bill mentioned earlier about the creativity of coming up with what-if models. In the past, you had to pretty much pre-select just a couple of scenarios because modeling the outcome took a lot of manual work and Excel sheets, and now you can pretty much model every single scenario that you can come up with. And he also talked about being able to support sales, being able to look at pipeline, to really think about what his counterparts and the other C-levels are needing from him and to become more proactive about it. So not the reactive reporting, but really predicting and simulating what the financial impact is of business decisions. Do we do a merger acquisition? Do we invest in a new product line? Do we divest a certain product line? And what? how is that going to affect the bottom line?
2: Thank you, Birgit. Bill Sinner, are you seeing the same thing in your research foundation uh, of this proactivity coming from the top?
3: Yes. I, the, I, everyone realizes there's a need to do better planning. In fact, we did a survey on long-range planning. And uh, unfortunately, most of our members still use Excel spreadsheets to do long-range planning. But they, do, they are now aware that there's uh, – great software programs that help them model uh, for what-if scenarios and long-range business planning, and uh, I think when we get into predictions, that's what I'll have something to say about that also, but everyone realizes there's a need, and yet, uh, as you may be aware, that financial executives tend to be a little conservative sometimes, so mm-hmm. they're, they're not always the first to adopt the new technology, but they realize that there are technologies available, they're looking at them, and uh, I think that's, that's really the wave of the future.
2: Okay, and the future is here, I understand. John Steele at Deloitte, you want to finish up this segment before we go to our crystal ball predictions round? What's your thought on proactive, reactive, and where is it coming from in the organization? Or where should it come from?
4: Well, we're, I think we're on the, and, and this we'll obviously start talking about this during the future predictions, but we're really on the cusp of predictive analytics being something that just about any major organization can do. Uh, So I think Bill mentioned it at the start of the call, that typically finance has been about historical information. Mm -hmm. With the move towards predictive analytics, finance will be able to help play a role in looking forward rather than looking back. And to me, that'll be a major change driver for finance and a major implication on how the finance organization really needs to view itself in the future.
2: John, how does this relate to startup companies? I'll go around the table quickly before we we do have plenty of time for our last segment. So we talk about big companies. We talk about what I like to call the behemoth enterprises. But what about the lower end of the SME spectrum, the small to small midsize enterprise? What about the startups, just a couple of years old? How will this all impact the point of view and the forward motion of their finance organizations? John, just a couple seconds on this, and then we'll have Birgit and Bill chime in. Go ahead.
4: Sure, I think there's actually, you know, for the smaller organizations typically are more nimble to start with. Mm-hmm. So this the the emerging technologies will allow them to to stay sharp and stay nimble. I, I truly think the bigger impacts are going to come into the larger organizations where they haven't typically been in full contact or, or full fully able to absorb all of the information that they have at their fingertips. And then there will also I think be an impact in the mid-range organizations because the capabilities that used to be uh, only affordable for the larger companies are now starting to get to the point where they're affordable for the mid-tier companies. So I'd watch out. I mean, some of the giants may be able to get just a little bit more nimble.
2: Oh, good to know. And um, Bill Sennett, what do you see?
4: I I agree with John. Uh,
3: One of our members works for a mid-size real estate development company, he uses nine different cloud solutions his whole finance function is based on cloud uh... he doesn't have the big legacy systems that many larger uh... well established companies have and he's actually in the process of replacing one cloud solution with another cloud solution so he's nimble enough to move back and forth among cloud solutions uh... he's really reduced headcount within the finance function over the past several years and uh, I, I see him as, as a really a thought leader uh, of kind of a wave of the future CFO that uh, makes good use of a number of different cloud solutions and knows how to evaluate different cloud solutions so that he can replace one solution with another.
2: Exciting. And Birgit Starmans, you want to finish us up?
5: Definitely, and I would agree with both John and Bill. Um, I do see sitting here in Silicon Valley is there are a lot of startups here and a lot of small businesses really on the lower end of SME, and they are definitely open to putting things in the cloud. A lot of times they're still using Microsoft Office applications to manage their business, so they are more ready because they don't really have that historical larger footprint of an ERP system, so they are actually more happy to go into the cloud. Um, The other point about headcount, I thought, It was interesting. There are a couple of customers that I've worked with. They don't like using the term best practices because in Mm -hmm. some former implementations, that actually meant that some jobs were going away. Mm -hmm. So they didn't like that terminology just because of that historical piece. And we've had a lot of conversations about if we are going to become more analytical and we automate more of our transactions, then there should be more time for these people to be able to do some value-added analytics. And then the question becomes, in terms of skill level, that's probably going to require some retraining. So instead of just consolidating information, there's some retraining in terms of adding more value-add to the business and using analytics
2: Thank you, Birgit. You know what? I'm going to give you all a break. You've been working very, very hard on our marathon roundtable segment. When we come back, it's going to be the crystal ball prediction round. So my instructions to Bill Sennett, John Steele and Birgit Starmans are to go out and find the crystal ball, whether it's Steuben or, I don't know, Tiffany or, or, or Walmart. I don't care what it is. You're going to look into the future. When we come back, we'll talk about where do you think we will be? Where would you like to see this conversation if we met again? five years from today in 2019, or I'll even give you an advantage of going to 2020, which we all know is what we think our hindsight is, tech innovations in finance driving business results. How much will the industry have advanced? Will the finance function use their imagination in the next five years? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Great conversation here today on Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. You don't want to miss the predictions. I know that. We'll be right back. Randy out.
1: Unleash the leadership potential of your finance talent now. Your business needs more than just compliant reports. Today's leading finance departments are asked to support business decision-making to help companies to succeed. With SAP's risk and finance solutions, you can provide the advisory that decision-makers are looking for. No matter what data source, no matter where you are, you can find the information you need to add value. Give your finance talent the right tools to be up to the challenge. www.sap.com. Um SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions, Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers.
2: And the future is now, according to one of my panelists, in terms of tech innovations in finance. We are in our crystal ball predictions round. Let's kick it off with Bill Sennett at FERF. If you haven't been paying attention, that's Financial Executives Research Foundation. I said it. Bill, let me give you 90 seconds. Why don't you predict ahead? If we had this conversation five years or six from today, what do you think would change? Go ahead.
3: Bonnie, I think... The finance function will make active use of the software that's already available now, but five years from now they'll be making active use of both structured data, which is inside their ERP systems and their own cloud, and unstructured data. It's all that data out there in Facebook and Twitter to optimize business processes. The software will allow them to do what-if modeling scenarios And they can plan for, do long-range planning and short-range planning, and it can be real-time planning based on changes and and inputs. Uh, It's all going to be real-time, and uh, they'll find a way to really optimize their business deciding on which products to make and sell and where to sell them and at what price. Uh, So it'll be an exciting time.
2: Very exciting. And, Bill, one quick question for you. Who will be sitting in the hot seat in the C-suite with the CFO label on the back of their <laughs> chair?
3: <laughs> it's, it's a person with, uh, with both business unit and IT experience as well as finance. It's, it's going to take a, a, a really broad background to be that CFO that knows how to collaborate with all the areas of the business.
2: Will they be a data scientist by trade, or that will be one of their one of the elements of their profile of their they'll CV? Have,
3: they'll have to understand data science. Uh, if there's no question of that.
2: Thank you very much, John Steele at Deloitte. What do you see in the crystal ball, John? Go ahead. I'll give you. I'll give you a minute and a half. Go ahead.
4: Okay, I, Bonnie. I would see two really megatrends uh, taking taking hold that would be in addition to what Bill is saying. I think the, the focus on information will cause a, a rebirth of a kind in ERP. People are going to understand that the ERP is the transactional engine that drives the company. And to have, be able to marry it up to social media or outside information, that, that system needs to be producing the kind of information that, uh, that will drive value. So there will be a focus on, on ERP. The, the second thing is I think there'll be a continuing focus on what we're calling studies, not systems, where these large uh, in-memory databases allow you to, to basically take information from your business and perform a, a study on it, say optimizing uh, your global shipping network or analyzing uh, predictively your, your maintenance uh, that you need, preventive maintenance on certain things. And then once the study is over, you basically delete the data. That's one of the the big advantages of using something in memory. So I believe that concept of uh, studies, not systems, will take off and actually allow companies to unlock a tremendous amount of insight that they're not getting today.
2: Thank you, John. And do you agree with Bill Sennett at FERF about who will be sitting in the hot seat in the CFO chair in five years? Yes? No? Absolutely. Okay. I take that as a yes. Go ahead. Talk to me quickly
4: well, the the CFO needs to continue to be the we 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 have this concept at Deloitte called the four faces of the CFO, and one of the faces is the catalyst, and I've been saying that the CFO continues to to really need to be that catalyst, someone who's driving mm-hmm. the business forward. and mastering all this information and and getting the business value from that information is exactly what a catalyst should be doing, and that is the future CFO.
2: So it could be the CCFO, the Chief Catalyst Financial Officer. I like that. Birgit Starman's director of Senior Director of Marketing for Finance Solutions at SAP. Birgit, five years from today, what would you think will be different on this topic?
5: I think finance is embracing new technology more quickly than they have in the past. In the past we had the movement from mainframe to client server. Now we're going from client server into really cloud based scenarios and in memory scenarios. And I think in the past, it took finance longer. We talked a little bit today about how finance is still a bit more conservative about putting some financial information out there into, into a cloud scenario, but they seem to be more open to new technologies more quickly. And the other thing I see is, is a big emphasis on visualization, so we're very used to used to using spreadsheets and finance, lots of tables and things like that. But we are seeing more emphasis on visualization, making it easier to come up with your own analysis, going back to that ad hoc analysis, being able to drill down without having to go to IT for a report and seeing it in a very visual way, whether that's maps, whether that's KPIs with tolerances that glow red or green. Um, We're Mm -hmm. definitely seeing more on visualization and a lot of emphasis on that.
2: And I think imagination probably goes with visualization, too. Thank you, Birgit. Quickly, I give you 10 seconds. You agree or disagree on who will be in the CFO seat five years, yes?
5: I completely agree with with Bill and John on that. I think that's a great way to to think about the role of the CFO. And they are really getting more of a seat at the table than they have in the past, and I, I see that continuing.
2: Good to know. Maybe we should plan ahead for our show in five years. I want to thank my panelists, but first I have my own predictions, and I wrote them down. They're easy. Tomorrow, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. HR trends with Game Changers, Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Pacific. Wednesday, it's time for Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific. Thursday is a doubleheader. Future of Business with Game Changers, 7 a.m. Pacific. We're getting earlier, kids. And Thursday afternoon, we close the day at 1 p.m. Pacific with Startup Focus with Game Changers. And Monday, we'll be right back here with 10 a.m. Pacific, Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Thank you to Bill Sinnott at Financial Executives Research Foundation. I still rather say that than than the letters, Bill. John Steele at Deloitte, it's a pleasure. Give my regards to Natalie. I reached out to her today. And Birgit Starman's at SAP. And a shout-out to Birgit for bringing us the topic. To your colleagues, Erin Hughes and Chris Grundy at SAP to Natalie at Deloitte, as I said, and to Randy and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's your call to action. You know what's coming fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. That's all from this live edition, March 31st. Happy end of the quarter. Signing off for another edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. Talk to you tomorrow in HR Trends. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Business Channel. Wishing you a game changing week.